Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name. Amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. No 
Have you ever heard of the moon trees? How many of you have heard of moon trees? Great, none of you. Neither did I before I read this. Moon trees were grown from trees that Stuart Rusa carried in his personal kit in 1971 on his journey to the moon with Apollo 14. Stuart was, <clears throat> he basically took about 500 different types of seeds. Uh, seeds like uh, loblolly pine, redwood sweet gum, sycamore, Douglas fir. He took all of these seeds with him as he went from earth to the moon, right? And he orbited the moon 34 times. Now, Rusa himself never went out of the spaceship. He did not go onto the moon. Uh, Alan Shepard and Edgar Mitchell were the two that actually did the moon landing. But Rusa was very passionate about trees. And he thought that uh, well, first of all, he was a first responder, what they call them smoke jumpers, first responder uh, with the um, uh, forest uh, services in the United States. And so he thought, I want to I honor the service, and I also want to try to see what would happen if I take all of these seeds with me, will they change their nature? Does it change, does it, the, the seed itself, will it change its nature? Will it pro produce something else? As it turns out, a moon tree is no different than the moon tree on earth. When it comes to the tree growing, he basically took those seeds that had orbited the moon for 34 times, planted them to the ground, and the exact same tree, exactly perfectly the same as on earth grew. You say, what? does it all mean, David? Why are you telling us this? You see, here's the, here's the thing, guys. Just because we come to church every Sunday or every, once a month or however often you come, just because we come to church and we orbit around God's people, to use that illustration, it does not change the nature of who we are. It does not allow us to understand or be in tune with the Spirit of God or understand the Scriptures and know the way to go just because we come to church. I think we have a wrong understanding if that is our philosophy, and I'm not discouraging you coming to church for the love of God. You know how much I believe that that is important, right? We need to come together to worship the Lord together as a body of Christ. We need you, you need me, uh, us, and, and that's the way it works. But you know what? There's a reality that transcends coming to church or coming together as believers. Just because you orbit around believers will not really cause you to walk in line and alongside the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. And if you think about it, the disciples themselves, they walked with Jesus three and a half years. I mean, you could tell, I mean, could we not 
honestly say that these people had walked with Jesus. They had seen what he had done. Everything that he was doing, miracles, signs, wonders, people delivered, demoniacs set free. Wow, that's powerful. Do you think that they would have understood? All the way to the end. All the way to the very end, Jesus had to teach them. He spent a lot of time teaching them about the ministry and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There are three chapters in John that are dedicated to Jesus teaching the disciples about the importance of walking with the Holy Spirit. And there's a scripture that I want to read with you today. It's found in John chapter 14 and verse 16. John chapter 14 and verse 16. And it says this, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor. The word counselor in other translations is used as, or is described as advocate, helper, comforter. He will give you another counselor, advocate, helper, comforter to help you and be with you forever. Now, there's a couple of things that jump out as we look at the scripture right off the bat. First of all, Jesus said that he would ask the Father. He said, I will ask the Father. Because, you know what, Jesus never did anything aside from the guidance and the suggestion of what the Father would tell him to do. Now, I don't know about you. I know for me that I would have saved myself a lot of aggravation, a lot of frustration, both for me and other people around me, if I had listened to the Father way before I took some actions. All right, I see at least one person. Thank, thank you, Keith. I appreciate that. At least one, you know, the both of us. That's great. Uh, you know what? We would save a lot of people and ourselves a lot of aggravation if we listened to the Holy Spirit and we walked hand in hand with him when he spoke. Then then Jesus said this. He said, I'm going to send you another. That that word, another. I'm like, why another? I'm going to send you another counselor, another advocate, another helper, another comforter. Now, the Greek word, you know, we, we have a limited understanding of as we read the Bible, right? And so I'm, I'm going to tell you what that another in the Greek is, the word alos. And the word alos in the Greek means a little bit more than just another. It actually literally means another of the very same kind. That's important. That's simple. Why? Why you say, why is that important? Let me tell you why it's important. Jesus was pointing out that when he would ascend to heaven, when he would leave earth, after that he had done all the things that he had done on the earth, that he had touched lives, he had healed the sick, he had uh, you know, delivered those who needed deliverance, that, that he did these miraculous things on earth, that when he would go, he would send another just like him. Another in the same very nature, the same very kind, and that is what Jesus meant. If Jesus thought, the Holy Spirit would teach. 
if Jesus saved, and we know that he did, then guess what? The Holy Spirit convicts and saves. If Jesus healed, guess what? The Holy Spirit heals. In fact, you know what? If you want to know exactly the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that all you have to do is read the Gospels and look at the Acts of Jesus because the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts are the same as the Acts of Jesus in the four Gospels. There is no inconsistency. There is no distinction. Jesus and the Holy Spirit operated in the same way. It's the same kind of anointing that they carried. You know, sometimes you hear, and I'm, I'm sure you, you, you've thought about it yourself. You know, I've thought about it a couple of times, especially when I, you know, we don't watch a Jesus movie or something that, that just makes your heart just palpitate because you wonder, like, man, I wish I would have been you know, during those days and walked with Jesus and seen how he operated and the great things that he, can you imagine like being next to Jesus as he made that spit on the ground and he made the mud and he would have probably thought, what in the world is he doing? But, you know, he took that mud and he applied it to the man's eyes and then he told them, you know what, go and wash yourself in the pool and he did and all of a sudden his eyes were open. Isn't that amazing? What imagine what it would have felt like walking with Jesus and hearing, you know, the, the, the man that was uh, a paralytic all of his life, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody telling him, be quiet, be quiet. The king of kings is walking by. Jesus, don't bother him. No, no, that's not, Jesus said, no, you be quiet. Let's go check it out. Let's go see what's going on there. And Jesus touched that man and raised him up. Can you imagine being there? But you know what? As powerful as that is, and as incredible as that is, we have the same Holy Spirit today. That means that we have the same Jesus today. Are you with me? It's the same God. Jesus, Holy Spirit, performing the same activity. Friends, if you follow the Holy Spirit, you will see what Jesus did. You will perform the same actions and acts that Jesus did. And what happened in Acts and happened in the Gospels will happen today because the same Jesus lives inside of us and the same Holy Spirit is working inside of us. And that is why we need to understand the importance of these scriptures. The word counselor is mentioned four times in the span of three chapters in these scriptures that we read. In John chapter 14 and verse 16, we read that. And then if you go to chap John chapter 14 and verse 26, you'll mention it again, 15 and 26 and 16 and 7 for you nerds who are taking scriptures down. Go for it, biblical nerds. I'm a biblical nerd too. I write everything down. Um, I think it's safe to say that if Jesus mentioned something three, four times in the span of a few chapters that he is placing an emphasis about the power of the Holy Spirit as a counselor. Now we all understand that when we receive 
Jesus, we receive Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not to us, right? The Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, justice, and judgment. It is not something that we decide on our own. You can't make that mental decision by yourself to say, well, I'm going to accept Jesus because that's the right thing to do. That's just human assent. It's human interpretation. But it's, there's a little bit more than that that goes into it. We need the Holy Spirit to actually do a work in our lives to convict us so that we understand the importance of, under, of, of following Jesus. Now, <clears throat> we cannot be saved uh, but by the power of the Holy Spirit and his conviction. But let me go back for a minute to bring you into a little bit more context about what Jesus did in this, in, in John chapter 14 and verse 16. If you look at the following verses, verses 12 to 14, Jesus said a few things in quick succession that for me tie very clearly into verse 16 because you cannot take a text without understanding its context. So I want to take you there because it's important. Okay, look at what it says. It says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Why in the world is he saying that right in that point? I'll explain that to you in a minute. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What was Jesus doing here? He gave us a few things that tie into that counselor version uh, scripture of verse 16 this way. He says, look at it. It says that we have to have faith in him. Whoever believes in me, whoever has faith in me, right, will do what? He will do greater works. So if we have faith in God, when we do that, we will do greater works. And then he says, because I'm going to the Father. Now that is important. I'll come back to that for a minute. And then he says, he will do what we ask in his name. And then he said, so that the Father may be glorified. Now look at verse 15. The next verse says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's a simple little verse. How does that tie into all of this? What are the commands that he just gave us? Well, look at him again. In verse 12 to 14, it says that we have to have faith in him. It says that we will do greater things in his name. Forget the little sentence about going to the Father. I'll bring that in in a minute. That we will do great things if we ask him. And then the Father will be glorified. Those are four key things that he is saying. But then in the middle of it, he said that I am going to the Father. Why is that important that he will go to the Father? What happened after he went to the Father? Help me out. He sent the he sent the Holy Spirit. All of these factors that are mentioned here will not even take place unless the Holy Spirit is introduced. Because you know what? The truth of the matter is that you cannot have supernatural greater faith by yourself. You can't do greater works on your own. 
You cannot ask the Father to do great things in his name because unless you have faith to believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's just going to be something that you read in a book. All of it, all of it. The Father wants to be glorified, and it all has to happen as the Holy Spirit indwells in our lives. I'm taking you somewhere. We cannot be effective to the full extent of our walk with God in our Christianity unless we embrace the ministry and the works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One commentator put it this way. He says, the coming of the Holy Spirit reintroduces the original purpose for humanity, a people suited to carry the fullness of God on earth. I want you to know that you and I cannot carry the fullness of God on this earth unless we are walking in the Spirit, indwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we do, we do it by the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, not just because we have a desire, not just because we're convicted to do something, but because the Holy Spirit is guiding us and directing us. There's more. It's a choice for us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the authority of the Holy Spirit. I really appreciated last Sunday as we were praying that uh, our dear sister Jennifer, the Lord just prompted her, and, 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 and she began to pray a prayer that was really um, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And at the end of it, these words just stuck into my spirit, and they have been stuck into my spirit now for a couple of weeks. There is more. There is more. It was a cry of his heart. I have more for you. There is more for you. Don't just settle. Don't just be comfortable in your little Christianity. There is more. I want you to know that there is more for us. There is more that God has for us. And we have got to become passionate about what he has for us and not just let our lives just kind of like coast along in our Christianity. It's so easy. It's so easy to just orbit around church, orbit around Christianity, get in our own little social clubs, Christian clubs, all Christianese, everything is great. But the Holy Spirit will do something in your life and in my life that will get us into a place of uncomfortability. Because you know what? And I said a couple of weeks ago, the Holy Spirit will insult your mind so that the Father will be glorified. The things that He wants us to do oftentimes make no sense. Make no sense. But and he will absolutely be unapologetic about insulting our own concept and understanding of where we have come from. Perhaps your, your Christian religious traditions that you have brought with you. The way that you were raised in church. You know what? I don't care the way I was raised in church. I want to be raised according to this book. Not this book. This book. This book. This book. That's why in this church we believe in that beautiful combination of word and spirit because we understand what the book is saying and the spirit of God enables us to do the work that he has set before us. 
Woo! What a privilege, what an honor to have the Holy Spirit walk with us, alongside us. Now, the word counselor in the Greek is a very interesting word. It's a combination of two words. It's a word para, P-A-R-A, and the word kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, para kaleo. Or the word that we know as the parakletos or the paraclete, as you, I'm sure, have heard it said before. Now, I'm going to focus on just the first part of the counselor today. We're going to talk about para or para, as they say it. Literally means alongside. Para means alongside. It carries the idea of closeness, of proximity, of nearness. That the Holy Spirit is near us, walking alongside us, right next to us. I remember my mom telling me, and I, I have a, a slight recollection of this. As I was a, I don't know, maybe five, six years old, four years, I, I don't know how old it was. Uh, we're talking, you know, in the late 60s and early 70s. So it was a long time ago for some of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, 60s, 70s, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it was a long time ago. And I went to the market with my mom. Took me by the hand, and I would just walk alongside. Now, you know, in the 60s and 70s, you're probably a little bit more comfortable walking alongside your mom, you know, and having a little bit more freedom. But she got into, you know, into haggling like she normally does and, and, and negotiating prices. What? A, what? A pound of potatoes? Like five cents? I'll give you two cents. I don't know. Some, whatever she was doing. And so I, I got... I grew up in Italy, for some of you who might not know it. And so in Italy, you just go to the market and you get everything fresh every single day. So I was walking alongside her and I got all distracted. I'm one of those kids that just, I'm, I'm with you, but I'm like observing. I'm looking at everything. I want to touch everything. I was just so curious. And so I lost sight of my mom. I looked up and she wasn't there anymore. I looked the other way and she wasn't. And so... I was just a kid. I started crying. I'm like, what is going on? Where's my mom? I want my mom. You believe me? I want my mommy. And of course, grew up in a small city. And so in the area that we lived in, where the market was, was the place that I was born. My grandmother lived there. My aunt lived there. My uncles. I mean, we all lived in the same neighborhood. And, and so one of the ladies that knew my mom said, oh, come, I'll take you to her. She was like literally like a few feet away from me. And, and you know, there was, a, there was a, an illustration that the Holy Spirit reminded me of that is that oftentimes, you know, we get so distracted by life. And we have to touch everything and just see everything around us. And we lose sight of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to hold his hand and walk alongside him. He wants us to walk para him. As believers in Jesus, we are to walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. And, I, and to give you a clearer illustration of what that looks like and what that feels like, I could say that Lois is para or alongside me. She lives with me. She talks with me. We travel. She travels with me. She goes to places with me. She leads this church with me. 
She is alongside me, with me. The same can be said of me with her. And in the Bible, you can see examples like Paul and Silas or Timothy and Paul or Jesus and the disciples. They walked alongside each other. There was something powerful that happens. Now, when two people that are close to each other walk alongside each other, they influence or affect each other in so many ways. People say that when you have lived with the same person for many years, you start resembling or looking like that person. Have you heard that? It's an actual phenomenon. Robert Zanjok is actually the American psychologist who compared photographs of couples on their wedding day and then 25 years later. The study showed that even if a husband and wife had absolutely no facial similarities at all, after 25 years, they looked surprisingly alike. Interesting. Another cool fact from the survey was that the more marital happiness a couple reported, the greater the increase in facial resemblance. You know what that's called? It's called... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. It's called assortative mating. It, there's an actual term for it. Assortative mating. Even on to say that our immune systems reflect our lifestyles, including our eating habits and our physical exercises. A group of scientists then concluded that couples who have been married for a long time have a very similar immune system. Maybe that's why Two partners often share their habits and lifestyles in general. It's an interesting concept. Now, Lois and I have been married for 38, been together 38 years, married 36 years. And we've been told that we actually do look like father and daughter. Uh, I mean, um, <laughs> like brother and sister. But you know what? In reality, we have a lot of very similar perspectives. Uh, oftentimes, I don't have to say a thing, and she already knows what I'm, what I'm thinking. Uh, we, we do things very similar in nature because we've been together for a long, long time. You know, I mean, she robbed me right out of the cradle and brought me over to Italy. Um, yeah, anyway, let's not go there. You see, when we walk and we are in communion with the Holy Spirit, when we develop a deep, passionate relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're going to start looking like the Holy Spirit. We're going to start talking like the Holy Spirit. We're going to start acting like the Holy Spirit. And isn't that what the goal is anyway of our lives? I mean, like, why in the world are we wasting our time on earth if it is not for a greater purpose for each and every one of us? There's a greater purpose. Can you imagine if people would stop us? They would say, wow, Jim, you look so much like the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? that people would actually look at us and 
just because of the way that we act and the way that we talk, that we resemble God so much that they see God in us and not just our own life and our own experiences. When the Holy Spirit walks alongside us, it's evident. You say, how is that evident? Well, number one, we are aware of his presence. I'm going to give you some real quick pointers here. It's not only that we come to God and we come to the Holy Spirit and we put our quarters in and he's like our wish machines. We get what we ask for because we're, you know, want to talk to him. Being aware of his presence in our lives should remind us that every decision that we make requires his help. It is not just by our own intelligence and imagination, but it is by the Spirit. He wants to be part of our lives. He wants to be part of our choices. He wants to be part of our desires. And that is such an amazing thing that he wants to be part of our lives. Guys, being aware of his presence should cause us to stop to speak to him, to pause, to hear his voice before we make decisions that are so important. We take his advice. We hear the answers. We should spend less time strategizing our next steps or moves in life and more time getting in tune with the frequency of heaven to hear God speak to us, those divine suggestions that we absolutely need in order to actually make it in this life. What a privilege we have that he wants to be with us. First, or Colossians chapter 3 and verse 7 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. That should be our goal. Number two, when the Holy Spirit is walking alongside us, we will not want to grieve him. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And there's the, the NLT, the New Living Translation, is very, very powerful. I want to read it. Uh, I want to read this version because it really brings a, a fresh meaning to it. And it says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own. Think about that. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Do not bring sorrow. In the original language, the word grieving or sorrow actually conveys a feeling of sadness. Think of how you feel when you feel sad. You feel down. You feel discouraged. You feel weak. Now, I know that the Holy Spirit does not, uh, 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 does not experience the same human feelings as we do. But you know what? I can hear the Holy Spirit when I grieve him. I can hear him say, why did you say that? Why did you do that? You know what I'm talking about? Has that ever happened to you? And you feel that conviction in your heart and you know that you have grieved the Holy Spirit because you should not have taken a step with, before listening to him because you said something, you were mean 
to your spouse or mean to your kids or mean to your co-workers. You said something you should not have said or taken an action that you should not have taken. The Holy Spirit grieves. Friends, the Holy Spirit goes where we go. That, him, that means that he hears what we hear. That means that he watches what we watch. That means that he is there every step of the way. And I know that if you're like me, your mind is going to places and times where you took a step out of line with the Holy Spirit. And you knew that you were doing something that you should not have done, but you did it anyway. That's called grieving the Holy Spirit. And yet, you know, he's still there. You know, when we hear the Holy Spirit and we choose to tune his voice out, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. But he's still there. He doesn't go away. He doesn't leave you orphans. He doesn't leave you alone in your sin. He loves us so much that he hovers over us with love and kindness and gentleness and continuously reminds us, I'm here. I'm alongside you. What a beautiful picture. He is the paraclete alongside us every step of the way. Friends, we must learn to love like he loves. Forgive like he forgives. Let go of grudges like he did when he took our sin and our shame and our sorrow on the cross. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of whatever is holding us back when the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and he's cheering for us saying, come on, you can do this. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. He has put a stamp of ownership over you and me. Thank you, Jesus. I could say a lot more. Number three, we will exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. When, we, when he walks alongside us, we will exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I hope that by now it's clear that when we walk in the Spirit, he walks alongside us. And you know what? That is evident, and we will show evidence of us walking with him and his presence in us because we are going to produce something. Something. It's called fruit. Fruit is not something that can be contrived. Fruit is not something that we can force out of us. I'm going to have an apple. It says the peach tree. That's not going to happen. He's going to produce apples because it's an apple tree. A peach tree cannot produce apricots. It just doesn't work that way. We are sons and daughters of God. And as the Holy Spirit walks alongside 
us, we will produce very specific fruit. We must exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. When He walks alongside us, there is going to be fruit. Jesus was clear when He said that we would recognize a tree by what? By its fruit. So what fruit are you producing? What fruit am I producing? You know what our weekly assignment for this week is? Because we're going to do part two next week. Is read all of Galatians chapter five. And go through the fruit of the spirit. That's great. But there's also another section in there. And it's called what? The flesh. The flesh. Ah. Oh, the desires of the flesh, let's not talk about those. But you know what? The fact of the matter is that we're either going to produce the fruit of the Spirit or we're going to gratify the flesh. Which one will it be? There is no other way, guys. There's no other way. It's either going to be love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Or you read the other stuff. And you'll see what you will produce. And maybe you'll be able to say, you know what? I have love here, but not so much there. I need to work in that area. I need to work there. When we walk with the Holy Spirit alongside us, we're going to produce some fruit. And I pray that that fruit will honor God. But let me just say one last thing. And this is very interesting because you know what? Today, I felt like, as we were praying, that the Holy Spirit was orchestrating everything. I mean, the songs that we sang from this morning, uh, the prayers that were prayed. And then David comes up here, and he talks about response. I'm like, the Holy Spirit wants a response. Isn't that what you said, David? Yeah. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Look at that verse. When the Holy Spirit walks alongside us, we are going to respond to his promptings. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. He says something, we respond. When we do not respond, we are, click, turn the light off, quenched. We turn the switch off. We're saying, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. That's what we're saying. We have a choice right now. We can either obey his voice, and if we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us as he walks alongside us to help us, right? We can make that choice and say, you know what, God, I need you. I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. We will respond somehow, some way, in some form or fashion. All of us will find a way to respond. When God speaks, He demands a response. We're going to say yes? Will we say yes today? Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc 
click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.